We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So let's talk about how this impacts Notre Dame. So obviously you're you're not only losing Joe Walt, but you're also going to lose Blake Fisher. And so first and foremost, this is going to impact Notre Dame's uh, bowl game. And so you're going to see a much, much different looking Notre Dame offensive line in the bowl game than we saw during the regular season for most of the regular season. Obviously the interior, we got a little bit of a glimpse of, of the last three games. We saw the Pat Coogan, Ashton Craig, Billy Shrouf left to right interior in the last three games. I thought that group played pretty well uh, once the two younger guys were inserted. But now we're going to have a lot look different looking tackle situation. So you had new looking guards in the beginning of the year now, or I mean, the last couple games, end of the year, the now the guards and the interior guys are going to be sort of the proven aspects of what we're going to see in the bowl game. And then, of course, this is going to be an opportunity for the two players that are going to start in the bowl game to uh, to make a statement in their attempts to earn starting jobs for next year. So let's talk about both of those tackle spots, and, and we'll dive into those now. And we'll, for, we'll first talk about replacing Blake Fisher, and then we'll dive into the replacing Joe Walt and, and what that's going to look like. So when you look at right tackle, obviously Blake Fisher has started the last be 25 games for Notre Dame at right tackle. He first took over in the Fiesta Bowl at the end of the 2021 season, started all 13 games last year, and he started 12 this year. You know, Blake had some really impressive moments at Notre Dame. He also had a lot of inconsistency, and, and that's what made his decision to leave kind of so puzzling was because he's just not ready for that. He's very talented, but just not quite, in my opinion, ready for that. And you just don't see a lot of guys leave after three years. And when they do, it's a Joe Walt type of guy who's proven and established. Blake is not clearly not that guy. But he made the decision to leave, and he is gone. And so Notre Dame is going to have to fill that replacement. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show 
by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Expected to start in the bowl game from everything I've talked to, different source I have is that, uh, you know, barring somebody just flat out coming on and beating somebody out in the bowl preparation, the plan going into the bowl game against Oregon State is going to be that Emil Wagner will get to start at right tackle. And obviously, Emil's been listed as the backup right tackle all season. When Notre Dame went to their twos in games, Emil was the guy that stepped in at that spot. This is an interesting situation for Emil because when I look at Emil this season, here's what we've said about him from the day they signed him. And he's had a very interesting um, a, a very interesting kind of uh, uh, period of time at Notre Dame. Um, and in and, and that... When when he signed or committed to Notre Dame, it was very unexpected. I don't know, other than him, the last seven, eight years, that there was a time when a guy committed where you didn't think Notre Dame was going to get him. There have been guys that have committed when we weren't, weren't expecting him to commit, like from a time frame, like, wow, that kid's committing today. I, I had no idea. But we've ne- I've, I think him and Noah Boykin are the only two that I can remember the last 10 years where you go into an announcement and you're just like, you're not, they're just, you're not only you're not sure, but you just, they're going to pick somebody else. And the, all the rumblings were that Emil was going to pick Kentucky. And then he picks Notre Dame. And it's worked out great for Notre Dame. And now he's going to make his first career start, uh, barring injury, in the bowl game. And there's a lot to like about Emil. And this is what we said at the time. Look, Emil's a kid with a super high ceiling. I gave him a five-star upside grade. But the reason I had him a little lower on my, my current grade is because there's a lot of question marks with Emil. There's a lot of projection with Emil that have to do with his size and just ability to, to move. And I've said this before. Not everybody that is a not everybody that is a 300 pounder plays like a 300 pounder, right? Like Mike Golick was 300 pounds when he finished Notre Dame career. And when you watch him play, tough kid, gritty, and all that, but he didn't move people the way that other 300 pounders move people that just have more natural power and push and lower body, you know, thickness and those type of things. And that's my issue with Emil. You know, he's got very long arms, he's got a really nice punch. You know, he, he's, he's got fast hands. And when right now, what's ironic is you'd think, you know, long, skinny, athletic, you think he's a better pass blocker than a run blocker. Not, not in the games that we saw. He's actually a pretty decent run blocker because he comes off the line so quickly. He's very explosive off the line. He's a tough kid. He uses his hands relatively well for a younger player. And, and there's a lot to like. The problem, however, is that Malik has just got a, or excuse me, Emil's just got a really light lower half. He's got a skinny lower body. You, you when you see him line up, he from behind, he looks more like a tight end. I mean, he when he if when you'll see it in the game, you'll watch him lined up next to Eli Raritan or Cooper Flanagan, and you're going to be like, he looks more like them in the stance than he looks like Billy Shrouth or Pat Coogan or Ashton Craig or Tosh Baker. He's just got a really narrow frame and a and a, and a bit of a thin lower half. That's my big concern. And can can he hold up in that regard over 60-plus snaps in a game? And what you saw in games 
is Emil still evolving as a pass blocker? He can get beat with double moves. Uh, but, you know, those things, it was good to see those things in games because now you can learn from it. But the other problem is, is at times, and this goes back to in fall camp when we watched him, he would win a lot of battles. But then he, when guys would come off with bigger guys would come off with power, they just get into his chest and drive him back. And so he's going to have to to do a better job of anchoring. But that's a little tougher when you talk about, um, you know, a guy that that just has a little bit of a thinner lower half. So you just want to see him make progress in the bowl game, right? And if he doesn't play great, it's not an end-of-the-world situation because he's got a whole other offseason to continue getting, you know, filling out that lower half. And it's not so much about adding 5 to 10 pounds. It's more about just kind of building up that the strength in his core and his lower body, which will allow him to to hold up. And, of course, there will be a natural you know, size growth there. But he could gain 15 pounds, and it's not good weight, and his lower half is still skinny, and it's not going to help him. It needs to be good weight. So even if it's only five pounds, he's only 292, 293. That's fine for me if it's all in the core area, the you know, the, the buttocks area, and then the lower, like the calves, thigh area. The areas are going to impact his ability to really play with expo- explosiveness and anchor. Those are the things that I care about. It's not so much the size. I mean, Robert Hainsey was never more than really 295 in his career at Notre Dame. But he's a great technician. And that's something Emil is going to have to learn is just being an enhanced technician, improving the footwork, improving the hands, being, you know, playing with better leverage, not letting guys get too far outside of him or oversetting and letting guys beat him inside, which happened to him uh, in, a, in a hit that he gave up earlier in the year. But there's a lot to like about Emil Wagner's potential at Notre Dame. And this is going to be his first chance to kind of show that. It would not surprise me if Notre Dame does some things in the in the play action game against Oregon State where you keep a back or a tight end in to kind of help him and in, in not just pure drop back all the time, uh, which will allow you to kind of not have – you know, it, it eliminates some of the cha- the opportunities that you have to just do a pure one-on-one pass rush against him. You know, so some quick game, some movement stuff, just some things to kind of protect him a little bit. And then, you know, the 10 to 12 just drop back snaps, he'll be, you know, you hope that he'll be in a better position to make solid blocks in those instances. Let's go to the other side. Obviously, this is with Joe Walt leaving. This is going to be an interesting one. So we're just going to look at the bowl game for now. And, of course, Tosh Baker is a guy that's going to get that opportunity. This is, an, you know, a former top 100 recruit coming out of high school, coming out of Arizona, was, uh, you know, one of two uh, offensive linemen that are even signed in the 2020 class. Uh, Tosh got a chance to to earn some starts in his first uh, be his second season at Notre Dame as a retro freshman. If you remember, obviously uh, that season Blake Fisher was Notre Dame's starting offensive le- or left tackle. Uh, he got hurt in the first game of the year, and that allowed Tosh Baker to step into the starting lineup for I believe it was two games before he then got hurt and uh and and missed a missed a you know obviously the, the a few games after that but he was a starter for them for uh, actually three games uh, no hold on it was two games because michael carmody got hurt against toledo and tosh came in and then tosh started the next two games before he got hurt and then missed a, the next seven seven or eight weeks and and so he struggled a little bit but you kind of expected that tosh was always going to be a guy that needed time he was always a guy that was going to need uh, physical development, and so his numbers that year weren't great. His, you know, when you look at his his production in, in that time, so you know, you you fast forward the net last year, he didn't. He only played, I believe, one snap last year. This year, he's only played nineteen snaps uh, this season. These are past snaps, I should say, only uh, past snaps um, for for Tosh. Let me actually pull up his his uh, total snaps here real quick. He played fifty seven total snaps this year and sixteen last year. 
So most of it's been obviously in the run game. And so let's talk about Tosh's game. He's a big kid, a tall kid at 6'8". He's listed at 317. He is skinnier because he's such a long player. He's got some talent. You know, there's some decent foot quickness there for him. He is a guy that, as he's put on more weight, has not been quite as smooth and fluid as he was in high school. Uh, because, And that was one of the question marks I had about him coming out of high school. But he still moves well enough and and has l- very long arms, which is which is good. And when you watch him in practice and you watch him in games, there's a lot of good snaps from Tosh. You'll see some really good things from him. And you'll see three, four, five snaps in a row where you know, Tosh comes off the line and, and gets good movement. And, and, and his, his pass sets are really good. His run blocking was so good in the spring and fall camp, actually, that I was talked to a couple sources that said they contemplated as they were looking to work their off their, their starting offensive line. There was conversations in the coach's office. I was told about possibly moving Tosh inside the guard and, and letting him battle for a starting guard spot. They ended up not doing that for a, a number of reasons, partly because they just couldn't take him away from tackle because of the lack of depth of tackle. Uh, the proven death of tackle, I should say. And so they ended up not making that decision. But, but you know, that's that's how much improvement Tosh had made in the run game. Now, you know, we've got to see him carry that into games. But, you know, we saw some solid things from him this year in the run game. The problem is, is that Tosh sometimes has a tendency to lean over or to, to bend at the hips instead of the knees. And, and where this impacts you in the, in the run game is, you know, if you're just kind of blocking like this, right, these are your hips, these are your legs, you lose that power. When you bend at the knees, it allows you to really explode more with your core, so you can kind of bring your hips and 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 uh, you know your hips and thighs and those type of things with you, and you can drive those through contact. When you kind of just lean over instead of stepping over, and you bend at the waist, it takes away some of that power, and you'll see that from Tosh. And then sometimes in pass pro, Tosh will come off and he'll just be too high. He'll just play high. His his, nasal, his base will get narrow. And you'll see a pass rushers will see that and they'll just come and they'll just get right into his chest and just drive him into the backfield. I saw Bubakar Traore do that to him in fall camp. And it was a really impressive trap, uh, a snap for Bubakar because he's so explosive off the ball. Uh, and I saw Josh Burnham do that to Emil Wagner in that same practice where Bubakar so long and so just naturally strong. He came off, he just got his inside hand into in Tosh Baker's chest and just drove him right into the quarterback. I think it was Steve Angeli. So he's going to have to avoid those snaps. Now we haven't, you know, we saw him late in the year and I thought Tosh did some nice things late in the year. He was a solid player uh, for Notre Dame in the run game and a solid player in pass pro uh, this season. So, you know, we, we, we saw Tosh flash the talent that, you know, we, that I hoped he would have coming out of high school. Now, when you look at the, the production this season, he did allow uh, a couple hurries in the Louisville game. Uh, late in that game, but overall in his past snaps this year, I thought he looked solid uh, in, in, on the season. So he's going to get an opportunity to kind of stake claim to that left tackle position because as we talk about this, and, and this is kind of the, the final topic to this, is you know the, the tackle position is is one where I would I would contend that Notre Notre Dame's tackle position is the biggest question mark on the team heading into next season of what we anticipate, who we anticipate leaving and those type of things. Easily the biggest question mark as far as you're replacing two very experienced players, one is of which was inconsistent but had some really good moments. The other was just a consistently dominant player. And 
you're going to have to replace them with very unproven, even with the bowl game under their belts, very under unproven players, assuming those guys win the starting job. But you're also going to see uh, it's not going to be handed to Neil Wagner. It's not going to be handed to, to Tosh Baker. And so when you head in the offseason, they're clearly going to be the guys that are sort of leading the uh, leading the charge, so to speak, from a standpoint of the, the, the early depth chart. You're going to have to beat them out to win the starting job. But here's at the end of the day, here's where I'm at. This is not about Tosh Baker. This is not about Emil Wagner. It's not about Charles Jagasaw. It's not about Sullivan Absher. It's not about Kirby Lambert. It's not about Styles Prescott. Those are all guys that I think have potential to be tackles at the next level for, or at this level for Notre Dame and, and all have some skill and some talent to work with. This is about Joe Rudolph. And, and what I mean by that is this isn't a, an insult to Joe Rudolph. It's not a praise of Joe Rudolph. It's just a, a statement of fact. The, the success of the offensive line will not be determined by just the players, but the development of those players. Because here's my overall point. When I look at what Notre Dame has coming back, it is you've got Tosh Baker, former top 100 recruit. Emil Wagner, former top 100 recruit. Gary Lambert, incoming freshman, top 100 recruit. Charles Jagasaw, top 100 recruit. Sylvan Absher, four-star, top 200, 250 caliber recruit. And then, obviously, Styles Prescott is not a kid that I see in contention next year. He's going to need some time to develop and build up his body. But you would look at those five guys, Tosh Baker, Emil Wagner, Charles Jagasaw, Sylvan Absher, and Gary Lambert. There's not a lot of experience there. Having said that, there's a lot of talent in that conversation. And if you cannot get two good start, not not great, they don't have to. Whoever's a left tackle does not have to be Joe Alt. Whoever's at right tackle does not have to be Blake Fisher on his best day. What you need is just consistency. Steadiness is all you need. You don't need dominant tackles. Now, it helps in the run game, but with Riley Leonard coming in, there's some things you can do in the run game that don't require your tackles to have to be butt kickers. Notre Dame is going to run some pin and pull, some counters, some things where you're down blocking with your tackles. You just need them to be steady and, and, and show a level of consistency and dependability and not be dominant. It's, if you get dominant, it's great. And my point is this. If you can't get good offensive tackle play, if you can't get two guys of Tosh Baker, Emil Wagner, Charles Jagasaw, Gearby Lambert, and Sullivan Absher to play at a high level, then I got a question if you're really that guy. I, I just, I'm sorry, I do. You've got to be able to get those guys ready to play. We've seen Notre Dame come into seasons with inexperienced players before. Liam Eikenberg hadn't played a whole lot of football when he stepped into the lineup in 2018, and he was pretty good that first year. It wasn't great, wasn't nearly as good as he was in 2020. He's an All-American, a consensus All-American, but he was a pretty good player. Notre Dame went 12-0 that year. And, and you know, Robert Hainsey stepped into the right tackle job, took that over as a true sophomore. He was rotating with Tommy Kramer the year before, stepped into the lineup, took that position over as just the right tackle as a true sophomore. And, and again, it was you know, per, pretty good that season. So we've seen situations where inexperienced players had to step into the lineup and be really good players. Uh, Notre Dame needs that. And, and what happened and why did you get that from a lot of those years? Because you had a guy developing the offensive line that was – an outstanding developer of offensive linemen in Harry Heastan. Now Joe Rudolph gets tested. And so a lot like Al Washington, you know, that first year, there's always some bumps in the road with the first year to new group. And it's a bigger group, a lot of different personalities, a lot of different 
not, I won't say agendas as, as in a negative thing, but you know, guys at different places in their development and different wants and needs and things along those lines, you've got to bring it all together. And I don't think the first year went very well for Joe Rudolph. Now you go into year two, and this is your chance to kind of say, put that year behind me. The guys that are staying are going to be bought in, you know, and if they're not, hey, best of luck to you. You got to go. But you you bring in the, you know, you've you've got now, you know, two classes of kids that will just be your kids. So Charles Jagasaw was recruited initially by Harry Heastan and then later by Joe Rudolph. Um but actually, it was very light, little. Yeah, Joe Harry Heesan and Joe Rudolph. But he's only ever been coached by Harry, Joe Rudolph. Same with Sullivan Absher, same with Sam Pendleton, and all those all those guys. Gearby Lambert obviously committed to Joe Rudolph and will be coming in to play for Joe Rudolph. And now Tosh Baker goes into year two of Joe Rudolph. Emil Wagner goes into year two of Joe Rudolph, which means he'll have two years under his belt of Joe Rudolph and just one of Harry Heesan. This episode of the Irish Breakdown Podcast is brought to you by BetterHelp. It's the holiday season, which means it's a time for giving. Giving to our community is important. And there's always joy in giving to our friends and family. But we also need to ensure that we are properly focused on giving to ourselves and making sure we're taking steps to give ourselves the tools we need to get through the tough times. And the holidays are a perfect time for that. It's important to learn positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. There are ways to make sure you have the tools to be the best version of yourself. And that's not something that's only for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. In the season of giving, give yourself what you need with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Irish today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com, H-E-L-P dot com slash Irish. So this is an opportunity for Her- for Joe Rudolph to say, hey, look, this is my room now. It's my opportunity to build this group up. And if he can do it and do a good job, then I think Notre Dame's offensive line is going to be just fine. I think their interior has a chance to be really, really good, especially if they allow a battle at left guard. And don't just anoint Pat Coogan, but make him beat out Rocco Spindler and Sam Pendleton. And 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 if you know if if Tosh Baker beats out Charles Jagasaw, then make Pat Coogan beat out Charles Jagasaw at left guard. That type of situation. But who, whoever the starting five is, there's going to be five talented players in the lineup most likely. Uh, and if Pat Coogan's a starting line, starter guard, then there's four talented players in the lineup and a left guard who is who is not as talented as the other players, but a tough, smart. You know, heady kid that's going to give you everything you have, a, a grinder, right? Doesn't doesn't have that NFL talent, in my opinion, but you're going to get a kid that's got a lot of experience and, and, and a kid who's going to be a grinder. So either way, you're going to have either experience or talent in the starting lineup next year across the board. So if you can't get production from that group, then you may not be the guy. And so this is a very big year, very big year for, for uh, uh, Joe Rudolph. Just like it was a big year for Al Washington when you talk about how the first year went and then projecting the year two, you had to replace Isaiah Foskey, you had to replace Jason Adamiola, you had to replace Jacob Lacey, you had to replace Chris Smith, you had to replace some guys that have played a lot of football for you in your time. And, and then you look at what they did this year, much better group. He made that – it was about him now, hey, 
this is what we're doing. This is, I don't care what previous coaches did. You're bought into what I'm asking you to do. And they went out and played at a very high level this year. Joe Rudolph's going to have to have a similar jump. That's really what this boils down to for me, because I'll say it one more time. Tosh Baker, Emil Wagner, Charles Jagasaw, Sullivan Absher, Gearby Lambert. As much as I love Charles Jagasaw, Gearby Lambert might, might, in my opinion, be an even more natural tackle and a more higher ceiling tackle, pure tackle, than even what Charles Jagasaw was, which says a lot. So between those five guys, if you can't get two good starters and at least one good backup, then I just have to question what kind of coach you are at that point in time. So very, very big offseason for Joe Rudolph. He'll have some talent to work with, but until we see it, it's going to be a big question mark. And I, and I think that how these two kids play in the bowl game, if they play well in the bowl game, it's going to kind of give me, and, and I would imagine some of you, a sense of, I think they'll be okay. Now, they may not be great, but the, they show that they can be okay because Oregon State's going to have a lot of their defensive linemen that played for them this year are going to be playing in that bowl game. And, and, and that's a very good defensive line that was a, a, for a team that ranked 10th in the nation in sacks this year, which is one of the concerning matchups for me in this game. Having said that, if they can hold their own against that group, then it says, hey, at the very least, you can expect that into next season. And if one of those guys gets beat out, then it's going to be even better because that means the bar has been raised. And so this bowl game is going to be a very important opportunity for them, a very important moment for them, and, and for us as fans and analysts that are looking at it to say, okay, should our concerns be heightened? Or are they somewhat alleviated that you at least know you have a baseline based on the way these kids played in the bowl game? That's kind of how I see that one. Going to have one more topic coming up. We're going to some news broke during the show. But before we get to that topic, do me a favor, folks, hit that like button, hit the subscribe button, hit the notification bell, share this podcast, give us a five-star review. We'd greatly appreciate that. And if you have not done so, sign up for the message boards at boards.irishbreakdown.com. Final topic that we're going to talk about, and this news kind of came across as we were doing the show, and that is that Jack Kaiser announced uh, early in the show, not on our show, but er earlier in the show, he announced publicly that he's going to be coming back for the 2024 season. So Notre Dame will have uh, most likely two of their starting linebackers from this season there for the bowl game. Now, I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm totally fine with that from a football standpoint. My concern, however, is now I see Al Golden just putting him and J.D. Bertrand inside a linebacker for the bowl game and just running with those guys the whole game and not giving the younger guys a chance to play. I hope I'm wrong, but that's my fear because we've seen him do it. We saw it in the Central Michigan game when J.D. Bertrand got hurt and they brought their 220 – I mean – I know he's listed bigger than this, but he's he's not a very big guy. They brought Jack Kaiser in and put him at Mike in that game and didn't really play Drake Bowen a whole lot. That's a missed opportunity. My fear is that, that they're going to do that with Jack Kaiser now in the bowl game and for next year. And, and so to me, when I look at this scenario and, and I look at it, I think there's a lot of value in having a veteran like Jack Kaiser coming back. He's a guy that can kind of play all over. As Ryan has mentioned before, there's a lot of special teams value. The key is going to be, do they allow do they allow the younger players to push for more reps, if not starting jobs, or do they just plug Jack Kaiser into either the Mike or the Will spot? That's my fear. That's my concern. 
because as we know, as good of a job as Al Golden has done this year's, he values experience. He values older players. And that's why I kind of thought that they might even lean towards not bringing back any of those guys. But our prediction at the beginning was they would bring one of them back. And we kind of felt like, you know, Jack Kaiser might be one of the guys that, that got brought back because he's probably not going to have the same NFL projection as the other two guys for a host of reasons. Now, Jack's been a very productive player for Notre Dame the last two years. And, and I thought Jack was pretty good for Notre Dame this year in certain roles. The key, however, is you've got to make sure you're getting him in the right role. And that's going to be the key for Notre Dame uh, when you talk about uh, building up and, and, and getting Jack Kaiser as a part of it is, you know, Jack, Jack is good in space. Uh, Jack can do some things inside. My concern is I don't think Jack is a guy that can necessarily be an every single down player on the inside. Uh, You've got to let – because I think that takes away a little bit of his ability to run. Now, if you are going to start him inside, I think Will's the place to start him inside and and then have him side-by-side with Drake Bowen as opposed to putting him in Mike like you did in the spring. So I would imagine that when you get to the bowl game that they will have Jack Kaiser – uh, as the starting Will and J.D. Burchard are starting Mike, and then they'll play nickel most of the game. Um, you know, that's what my thought is. Now, Oregon State is a a heavy run team, so I'm also curious when they go to three linebackers, do they put Jaden Sneed, Jalen Sneed at Rover? Do they put Jaden Osbury at Rover? Do they put Jack back out at Rover and then bring in one of the, the Wills? That would be my prediction, or at least that's maybe not prediction as much as what I would do. So I'm curious to see how much three linebacker looks we're going to see in the bowl game. If that's the case, like so, if 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 Jack stays at Rover in the bowl game, and you let one of the younger guys play at Will, then that's great. Like I said, my concern is that they're going to just put those two guys inside. Now, when you look at Jack Kaiser and what he brings to next year's defense, he's a guy that can play all three positions, which is huge. Uh, that provides insurance and depth. He's a guy that can play Rover. Obviously, he'll he'll he could. Still be your starting rover if you're going to be a team that plays a lot of three down. Uh, we saw Jack this season. I mean, if you look at his pro football focus grade, uh, you know, Jack was a kid that uh, was, I think, third on the Notre Dame defense. Let me see here. Second on the Notre Dame defense. Yeah, second on the Notre Dame defense overall. Number one amongst the starters in pro football focus grade. Um, you know, not sure quite how I, if, if I would uh, uh, agree with that. But what we saw from Jack this season was a guy that, was a, was a little bit more productive in certain areas. I thought he was a little bit better against the pass this year. I thought Al Golden did a much better job of limiting the opportunities in which he was to be in coverage. But the one game that we saw him starting this season as an inside backer uh, against Central Michigan, that was the one game he gave up 57 of his 84 receiving yards in that game. You know, but Jack's a kid that, that played, you know, 15 to 30 snaps a game most weeks. He's a guy that ran around and uh, made a lot of plays in space, much more, m- many more plays in space this year. Uh, wasn't necessarily as impactful from a pass rush playmaking standpoint as he was in in previous in some previous seasons. He didn't have as many hits and such on the quarterback, but he did have a more overall pressures. Uh, his run stop percentage this year was a was about the same, or his run stop production was about the same uh, this season as it was last season. But this season he played about thirty more snaps. So I thought Jack was good this season. But I think he's a guy that needs to be a rotational guy. And, and somebody just said it. If Jack is a rotational guy where maybe he's the number two at a couple different spots in the starting rover, I can live with that. I'm totally good with that. If he's a guy that they just plug in the middle and play him, you know, 60 snaps a game like they did J.D. Bertrand, then I don't know if that is necessarily the way to go for Notre Dame. Uh, just that, that, 
that would would just be a little bit concerning for me unless Jack can just raise his level of play. So it, how I feel about this is going to be determined by how he's used. And and we just kind of get down to this topic that we've discussed a lot. You know, you you know Marcus Freeman went out and you know they've done a great job recruiting line, the linebacker position. You know, you're going to have Jalen Sneed coming back next year, most likely. You're going to have Jaden Allsbury and Drake Bowen and Preston Zinner. You got Kingston Viliyama Asa coming in uh, this season. Bodie Cahoon, who had a monster senior season in high school, you know, is going to be here. There's plenty of linebackers there. Now you throw Jack Kaiser into the mix, and your depth at linebacker is even better. And you've got some experience and a potential captain at that position. But if all you're doing is like just stunting the growth of a younger player and you're not allowing them to be more of a rotation like you we didn't see this year, which we sh- wish we would have seen this year, uh, to me, I don't know if that's necessarily the way to go. And you know, we thought we would see a bit more of a rotation this year, and we didn't from Notre Dame. We didn't see them use the younger players or play the younger guys as much as we would like. And you know, it worked out well from the standpoint of the defense was really good this season, but I I believe it stunted the growth a little bit of the players in the team. I mean, Jaden Osbury, for example, only played 15 snaps on defense all season. Preston Zinner only played 10, and Drake Bone only played 56. Now, Drake had a lot of snaps in special teams. And he was a starter on multiple special teams this season and played, according to Pro Football Focus, 147 snaps on special teams as part of the kick coverage, kick return, and punt return teams. But he only played 15 snaps on defense. And if you go to a, through another year of stunting those guys' development by just not playing them, then I, I don't think that makes you a better football team. I think it makes you a more assignment-correct football team, which is a, important but I think it stunts their growth and it, it, it limits your your playmaking a little bit of the position. So to me, Jack Kaiser, when he's at his best, is a guy that they are using to do certain things. There are certain things he's really good at. I actually think he's a pretty decent pass rusher when used uh, effectively. I think he's a guy that's a pretty good perimeter run support guy. He's a guy that when you can just let him run, you know, can, can be a pretty good player uh, for Notre Dame. The, the question is, can he be – a dominant impact every down player the way that a Drake Bowen could be or a Jaden Osbury could be and those type of players. That's the big question mark for me. And that's my that's my concern when I think about how Notre Dame handles this. So again, a lot of potential value in bringing Jack Kaiser back. A lot of potential value. But you're going to have to do things a little bit differently, in my opinion, next year than you did it this year, where you don't just plug him into a position and just say you're going to dominate the position and we're just not going to use the younger players because you're just going to go with the veterans. And there's that trust factor. And I I get it. Look, guys, trust is important for a football team. It's very important for a football team. You've got to know, especially a linebacker, you've got to know those guys are going to, 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 to hit the right gaps and things like that. But you can't learn those things without the opportunity to learn those things. And that's my big question mark because the young talent at Notre Dame at linebacker next year is going to be very good, very good. You just don't want to see it stunted for any reason at this point in time. So if Jack Kaiser is used in the right way, which is similar snaps to what he did this year, he's part of rotation, even a 50-50 type of thing. 
or maybe it's like a, a three-man rotation where you've got him and two other young guys and Jack kind of plays a little bit of both. I can live with that. I, I could live with that. Uh, you know, he'll have a third down role and other guys will have third down roles. So there's a way, there's a, there's a, a, a way that bringing Jack Kaiser back next year could be really good for the defense. And there's a way where it could stunt the growth of the defense, in my opinion, because he's just not the every down inside backer that J.D. Bertrand was. And he's not quite the the interior disruptor that I believe Marist was this past season. But Jack can do some good things. There's no doubt about it. Jack Kaiser can, is, a, is a quality football player if used correctly. And if, if you do that, and then you really emphasize building up the Drake Bowens and the Jaden Osbury's and the Jalen Sneeds and the Kingston's and players like Preston Zinters and the guys like that, Kingston Villamasas, you've got a chance to have a really dynamic, really dynamic um, linebacking core next year with Jack Kaiser and the younger players all being part of that rotation because you'll have that nice blend of experience and youth. Uh, the younger guys bring more dynamic ability in my opinion especially drake and kingston and those guys that are that are a lot longer than jack uh so those are all exciting exciting potential things so that's what we're going to come back it's going to come down to is is how are they going to use them my prediction would be in the bowl game that they're just going to plug him in as a starting will linebacker if they start with the nickel thomas harper if they start in when they go to their three linebacker look, I could see them putting him out at Rover and then putting a will in, and that's a way to get them some some playing time. That that would be what I what I predict they'll do. Not saying it's necessarily I want them to do. I'm just saying that's what I predict that they'll do. So you have Bertrand and, and Kaiser playing inside. Now the positive is you've got two veterans inside and you have two veterans up the middle, and that increases your chances of going into this game and winning the football game. Because at the end of the day, as I've said, that's key number one. And I believe that Jack Kaiser, as a starter, gives you a better chance to win a football game against Oregon State than just plugging in a new two new guys. And excuse me, Jack Kaiser and J.D. Bertrand as starters gives you a chance to be m- better prepared to to win this football game than not playing two proven starters on a very good defense. My only thing is, I just want to see them play the younger guys a little bit more than as a part of the rotation than we saw during the season. Then you can go into the spring and figure out how to properly pick Jack, how to properly, you know, uh, uh, put Drake and Jalen and Jaden and all and Preston and, and Kingston and all the players are going to be coming in. That's going to be something we'll have to figure out because uh, Jack's announcement today wasn't just that he's coming back for the bowl game, but he's coming back for next season. Uh, we expect J.D. Bertrand to not come back for next season. We expect J.D. to go to the NFL, which is why he accepted a, a, uh, a Shrine Bowl invite postseason. Now, he could certainly change his mind. I just haven't heard anything that makes me uh, believe he will uh, make that decision. So that's what's going on. That was the news that kind of kind of broke out a little bit today. That So Jack Kaiser will be back not only for the Sun Bowl against Oregon State, but also will be back for the 2024 season. So you'll have at least one ex- very experienced player at the linebacker room, and we're going to have to find out um, – Find out how they're going to use them. It's going to be very interesting. So we're going to go to the mailbag next, everybody. Hit that like button. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the notification bell. Share this podcast and give us a five-star review. We would greatly, greatly appreciate that. And as always, sign up for the message boards at boards.arsbreakdown.com.
you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.